Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 172. And as always, the Red and White Authority is brought to you by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, summer, spring, or fall, and winter is fast approaching, what better way to end your hard-earned day of pay, of work, than having an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in a no stranger to this program. It is Tony Ferrari, the draft and prospects contributor for the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated. We're going to be doing a, a Red Wing prospect update on some of the prospects from uh, uh, the 2018 all the way to the 2021 draft. Uh, but first of all, Tony, welcome. It's great to have you back on the Red and White Authority. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I always enjoy joining you. And the Red Wings fans treat me pretty kindly, so I can't complain. I'm always happy to do it. Well, you know, you seem to like their drafts a lot, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. But uh, oh. but with that said, hey, a new title, a new job, a new place. Uh, uh, congratulations. How'd that all come about? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, in the summer, this last off season, I just kind of felt like where I was at was kind of at, at my limit, I, was not, I wasn't able to really do a whole lot more there, so I, I took a step away, and, and it was fun being a little bit of a free agent myself for a little while and seeing some offers come in, and I was more than happy and ecstatic to join the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated. It's a great outlet, and they've given me a lot of freedom to do kind of my thing and, and haven't been too hard on me doing uh, some of the goofy stuff that I like to do. Well, that's great. Well, well, good. You know, so let's, uh, let's kind of get right into it because, uh, uh, you know, the Red Wings... Uh, uh, obviously, let me first ask you, because I don't want to spend very much time on them, but the emergence of Lucas Raymond, who was drafted fourth overall in the 2020 draft, and the emergence of Mo Sider, who was drafted sixth overall by the Red Wings in the 2019 draft, are you surprised that at this point, and it's very early on, and I don't want to certainly curse these young men, uh, that they have had uh, a bit of a seamless transition to the NHL? I'm not entirely surprised that they're this good. I may be a little surprised that they're this good this fast. I think with both those guys, I was championing them all year during their draft year. Moritz Sider was a guy that I was one of the very few people to have him even around the top 10 in his draft year. And I love the kid, just his ability to play it all into the ice and do everything he does, especially defensively. And one of the things that everyone was complaining about with him was he didn't have much offensive upside. Well, when, when I kind of did my research, I, I translated German articles, read a bunch of stuff in German, and, and kind of did, did that. And they talked about how he was an offensive player up until he went to the DEL. And then when he went to the DEL, they said, you need to focus on defense. And he did that, and he did a great job of it. And now he's an NHL defender, no doubt about it. And as for Lucas Raymond, I think the big thing with him was he didn't get a ton of opportunity in Forlunda when in his draft year especially. And he, he was doing all the right things, though. When you looked at what he was doing on the limited times he was on the ice, it was exceptional work. So I'm not shocked that they're this good. Maybe a little bit shocked that they're this good this fast, but a man, like these two have been so fun to watch. They really certainly have been. And, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, you know, I've told this story many, many times, but you know, when you get to be my advanced age, sometimes, you know, everything kind of melds into one. But when I went to the summer showcase, when Alexi Lafreniere was uh, with, with Team Canada, Lucas Raymond was also with Team uh, Sweden. This was the showcase in Plymouth. And uh, if I remember correctly, at that point, even though Raymond got banged up a little bit, they were kind of considered, you know, they were interchangeable as maybe the number one overall pick. Or am I not remembering that story correctly? I remember being at that showcase too, and it was so fun to watch them both play there. And I think Lucas Raymond was always kind of considered a tier down, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Lafreniere played in Canada, and Canada always gets the hype. But I think Lafreniere or Lucas Raymond was right in that next tier with Quinton Byfield and guys like that. And I mean, we're looking at it now, and I think it's almost inarguable that he's one of the best players in that draft class, certainly deserving of that number four pick. And I mean, you're just laughing at this point as he's a point of game player through his first 14 games. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I've always said the Red Wings uh, need to really catch a break on a player or two to, to, to really accelerate the rebuild. And, you know, hopefully, again, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm knocking on wood, so I'm knocking on my head here. Uh, I, I, I hope that, uh, uh, you know, that, that these are the two players that they've caught a break on. But with that said, let's, uh, let, let's go right to the draft. And, you know, 2018 draft, there's not many players I really want to talk about. 
um, in that draft class. Many of them, you know, fans know what's going on with them. But uh, I, I do want to uh, center on three players that I get asked about a lot. And uh, the first one is uh, picked in the second round, 33rd overall, Jonathan Berggren, who's now playing for your Grand Rapids. Uh, his first year here in North America, nine games played. He has three goals, three assists, six points. He seems to be coming on a little bit lately. But, uh, Tony, I, I don't know how much you really spend covering the AHL, uh, but I know that you're familiar with him as a player. Uh, I love Jonathan Berggren, and he was a guy that in that draft year, that was kind of my first year of really covering the draft heavily, and he was a guy I kind of had at the end of my first round, so him going at 33rd overall kind of seemed appropriate, and it, he's just done everything you'd want him to do, except when he's injured, and that was the big concern coming out of his draft year. That was the big concern the following year is can this kid stay healthy, and, and he wasn't able to those first couple of years, but the last couple of years he's stayed healthy, and he's put up big points. You look at his 2021-2020 uh, season, and uh, in the SHL and he had 45 points in 49 games. He's come over to the, the Grand Rapids Griffins and he's played really well there. I thought he had a great training camp as well. So I think this kid's got a really good future in the NHL. He, he seems like the kind of guy that I'd love to see on a line with a guy like Lucas Raymond or a guy like Joe Valeno and, and really just pumping those stats up and, and just being an offensive force. Well, right, and, I, and I'm pretty sure with Joe now being back down in, in Grand Rapids that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the Red Wings would love to see chemistry between Berggren and uh, uh, Valeno because uh, both of them are not that far away. And Joe actually, uh, you know, has played for the Wings, of, of course, this year. So uh, uh, that would be a great. Uh, also, second-round pick, 36th overall. In a draft where they got Philip Sedina first and then Joe Valeno, uh, and, and then Berggren and McIsaac. I remember that draft. The Red Wings were ecstatic about it. Jared McIsaac is, is a player that, you know, again, we saw it at the Prospects Tournament. You know, he got concussed during that, uh, uh, you know, not, not that long ago in, in, uh, in Traverse City. But nine games played, uh, three assists. He's a minus three. But I think at this point, it's just good to see Jared McIsaac playing some hockey. Yeah, he's had a tough injury history the last few years. Like, even a couple years ago when he came back for the World Juniors, he didn't look great there, and he kind of looked off. And, and right now with him, I think you just got to focus on getting him healthy, getting him back in game shape, getting him playing consistently. And, and that's going to be a big thing for him this year, I think. So he's done a decent job in the Grand Rapids Griffins. I watched, I've seen a couple games this year so far. And, man, like, he still has some potential. He's still only 21, so people freaking out about, oh, he's a bust, he's not going to make it, like, He's still got time. Like, don't worry about it. Like, let this kid develop. Let him get healthy, and, and let's see where he is. Right. Well, one good thing about the Red Wings, and that's always been kind of their hallmark, and it, I, it probably began because the team, the, the big club, was just so good that, you know, a, a chance of anybody making the Red Wings out from the draft or, you know, even after a couple of years of pro uh, was not very good because, as I said, the team was uh, exceptional there for so long. But uh, another player that uh, in the 2018 draft – uh, in, in the seventh round, 191 overall, uh, you know, not the biggest guy. And I think they had him listed at like 98 pounds when they drafted him. But uh, Otto Kevamaki, who plays for the uh, Pelicans in the uh, SM Liga League, um, he, you know, he, 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 he went viral because he got hit and really got knocked out on the ice. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, in 20 games played right now, he has two goals, five assists, and seven points. Uh, I've seen Otto. I saw Otto at the Summer Showcase. Uh, uh, you, you know, where, where do you think Otto is at? Do you think he will come to North America eventually? I, I think he does come to North America eventually. Does he get above Grand Rapids? I don't know. It, it's really going to depend on how much this 5'8", 170-pound kid can kind of take. And it, it's really going to be interesting because – he is that epitome of that seventh round flyer. You take the kid with a ton of skill. Like he might have been, even though, though they took Zadina, Valeno, Berggren in that draft, he might have been the most purely high skill player in that draft of the, the picks Detroit made. But the fact that he's so small and he plays really small is, is an issue. And that, that'll kind of prevent him from getting to the NHL. But I mean, never say never with these, these incredibly skilled kids. And in, I mean, you watch him in the Liga and it, it's just a ton of fun, even when he's not necessarily producing a ton of points. This skill is unbelievable. If he can translate that at all to even the AHL level, I think that's a good pick. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, again, simply because that, that hit, which was vicious, uh, you know, people always ask me, you know, the, the, the little guy, uh, Otto, uh, what's he up to? So I thought we'd throw him in there. Anybody else from the 18 draft that you might want to uh, highlight? I mean, Zadina's here, Valeno's here. 
uh, Bergren, you know, McIsaac, the first four picks. Uh, Regula was traded. Seth Barton has been injured, but signed with the Red Wings. Uh, Jesper Eliasson, the uh, the goaltender. Ryan O'Reilly, Victor Batstrom. Uh, that's pretty much their draft class. I, I know that uh, uh, Batstrom is in GR. Yeah, I, I think Eliasson's the one guy I'd, I'd give some props to. He's been a little bit up and down this year. It's not been the greatest year for him necessarily, but he's shown in the past that he can be a pretty capable goaltender. So it's going to be interesting to see where his development goes because, I mean, as we've seen for years and years now, goalies are kind of a fish in the barrel. You shoot and you hope you hit one, and, and this guy could be it. But I, I think there's a lot of goalies in the system that are kind of in the same boat as him where it's maybe they make it to the pro level at the, in North America, but maybe that doesn't go above Grand Rapids even. No, no, that's true. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I think Red Wing fans are really uh, starting to get uh, a little more uh, understanding and, and sophisticated about how the draft works because, obviously, the last few years, <laughs> they've paid a lot more attention to the draft than maybe they had the previous couple of decades. But uh, yeah. uh, with that said, let's go to 2019. Obviously, we touched upon Mo Sider. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I've said it, and I know I'm prone to exaggeration. I think he might be the Red Wings' best player right now, to be honest with you. I mean, especially defenseman. He, uh, his, his calmness is incredible. It's just incredible the way that he, uh, that he is able to process stuff out there on the ice. But with that said, let's go to a second-round pick. The Red Wings had uh, three uh, of them in the second round in 2019. Anti uh, Tuamisto, who is playing for... Uh, uh, Denver right now, uh, defenseman. The Red Wings are still pretty high on. How's his season going? He's not looking too bad. Like I've only seen one game of him from this year, but I, I watched a bit of him last year as well. And he he is what he is. He's a big right-handed guy. Skates pretty well. Likes to shoot from the point. Has a big big shot. I, I think he's a guy that kind of projects as that third pairing kind of tweener guy where he may not necessarily be a guy that is in your core. He's not going to be the, the guy that you're pairing with more insider, but he's a guy that's going to play valuable minutes on that bottom pairing. Maybe he's a weapon on the power play, similar to the way Hironic kind of acts now, where he's just a shot on the power play at this point. And I think you're laughing at that because he's a, he's a really fun player to watch because he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And I think that's where you're looking for with this kid. Really, and then, you know, followed right by him. And I know a guy, I remember Chris Draper told me when they were interviewing him before they drafted him, uh, the conversation went a little bit about himself, and then it was just a big open hockey conversation just about the game and hockey. And that really kind of uh, endeared him to the Red Wings. And that's uh, Robert Master Simone. He's playing at BU, Boston University. He had a little bit of injuries to start his college career but it looks like he's starting to put it together for the Terriers. Yeah, I mean, last year he only played 15 games, and this year through 10, he's already matched his point totals and upped his goal total so far this year. So I think he's a really fun player to watch. He's another guy that, like, every time I've watched Master Simone, I'm like, man, this kid is going to make a living playing on the third line, just being a puck hound, getting the puck to the offensive players, and, and then being able to use some of his own skill as well. He has He has some quickness to his game, but he needs to kind of just kind of get stronger, get bigger. Kind of, he's not a big guy. He's only five ten, so he, it's going to be one of those things where can this guy get to that 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 level of playing with enough strength at the NHL level where he can be that that player that he is at the college level? Because at the college level, he's just a ton of fun to watch because he's a workhorse. He's tenacious. He's he's all over the puck and in hunting the puck down. So if he can kind of just get stronger, I think he's a realistic option playing on the third or fourth line at the next level. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear. Let's go next is. Uh... Uh, drafted in the uh, second round, 60th overall. I know uh, from what I've heard, Nick uh, Lidstrom is uh, really high on him. It's Albert Johansson, a uh, Swedish defenseman playing for, and I know I'm going to butcher these names as usual, uh, but Fargestad uh, in the Swedish Hockey League, nine points in 17 games so far for him. Yeah, Albert Johansson's a guy that I think i got to agree with Nick Lidstrom here. He's a really good prospect. I, I love this kid, and I mean, anytime you're agreeing with Nick Ledstrom, you're probably doing it right, let's be right. honest. And, <laughs> yeah. and, yeah, like you said, playing for Faryastad, which is a fun name to pronounce. And um, But, no, he's playing over there in the SHL, playing against men, looking more than competent against men as well. I think the big thing you look for in prospects when they're playing at the SHL level is do they look like a prospect here or do they look like a player? And he looks like a player. He's a guy that fits in. And, man, his offensive game, when he he's making passes up ice, when he's not, like, not being afraid to to do what he does offensively he's a fun fun player to watch and, and re really productive player as well 
And as for his defensive game, he's not afraid to block shots. He'll throw a hit every once in a while. He's not a guy that's necessarily all offense. So I think this is a guy that could be a second-pairing defenseman at the NHL level maybe and, and really kind of push the pace and, and be that transitional defender that so many teams need. Uh, going to, Continuing on, and we have a lot of players. That's why I'm not doing a whole lot of follow-ups. I just want the audience to know because I, I get questions about all these guys. So uh, I, I want to throw as many as I can Tony's way and then uh, maybe ask him a, a question or two about how the uh, 2022 NHL entry draft is shaping up because I know that he's, he's really involved in that. But a guy that's really curious, and the Red Wings were really high on, drafted in the third round in 2019, 66th overall. Albin Guave, who had a, um, uh, you know, a cup of coffee in GR and is now back in uh, uh, playing in Sweden. I, I'm not sure exactly what's been going on and what's been transpiring with him, but this was a guy that was supposed to be, you know, kind of a real rough-and-tumble player for the Red Wings. Yeah, he was, he was billed as that, that Marshawn Light kind of guy, right. like a guy that, that has that tenacity, has that ability to be the pest in, in the skill to score as well, and we've just kind of seen his career kind of bounce all over. He played in the S like in the last two years, he's played in three different countries from Sweden to Finland to uh, North America playing with Grand Rapids. Like it hasn't exactly been an easy road. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's not really been able to set his feet in any, any league. And I, I don't know if there, there's as much hope for, for his future as what, what there once was, but I, I still like the player that I used to see and, in in, in Hopefully he can get back to that guy because he was a fun player to watch, but it's been a little rough the last year or so. Uh, another player that the Red Wings uh, drafted uh, in the fourth round, 97th overall in 2019, good buddies with uh, uh, Philip Zadina uh, and Robert Master Simone's teammate at BU is Ethan Phillips. Not the biggest center, uh, but a right-handed shot, and those are always at a premium. Yeah, I mean, playing playing the Hockey East with Boston University is always a good program, and he's going to have time to develop there. And you're seeing his point totals kind of go up this year. And after last year, he didn't really play a whole lot. He played one game, I think. So this year, he's he's got I think six or seven six points in ten games, and that's already a, a step up from the ten and thirty one he had as a freshman. So he he's more of a long term game, like a long term project. Like he's going to be a guy that plays a couple years in Grand Rapids and maybe comes up at twenty three, twenty four. But I think it's still a fun pick. Like, he's a guy that is certainly not a, a bad player by any means. He plays a good two-way game. And, I mean, he's not going to blow anyone out of the water, but he's going to be a productive player at the college level. And let's kind of see where he winds up as a pro. You know, 2019 is an interesting year because it's Steve Eiserman's first year um, uh, uh, running the draft or overseeing the draft for the Red Wings. Uh, he got here in April, uh, and, uh, you know, the draft was in June. Uh, but but uh, I, I remember talking to him, and, uh, you know, the best thing, if you ever wanted to root for a second team, Red Wing fans, root for the Columbus Blue Jackets, who knocked out Tampa Bay in the first round, <laughs> swept them, because that allowed Steve to get here probably much earlier than anybody thought, and he was able to uh, take control of this 2019 draft, because virtually every one of these players... I think the Red Wings are still high on in 2019. I don't know if it has anything to do because it's Steve's draft, but you know we're going to go through most of these guys just because each of them has is intriguing in their own way. Uh, fifth round pick, 128th, Cooper Moore, uh, who's now playing at the University of North Dakota. College hockey fans know that uh, if you're playing for North Dakota, you're a pretty good player. Yeah, North Dakota is a really good program. They, they're they've got a ton of talent there, and it is incredible to watch that team. But Cooper Moore's kind of fell by the wayside on that team a little bit. He's not necessarily the guy that's driving plays. Not necessarily the guy relied on to do a lot. But he plays his game, and he plays a good, sound defensive game. He doesn't really rush the puck up ice too much, and I think he's going to be an interesting player over the next couple of years because he's going to probably play all four years at college and then go to the Grand Rapids Griffins and, and take his time. And, and we we're just talking about Ethan Phillips, and I think Cooper Moore is going to kind of follow that same kind of path where he's going to take his time. He needs to grow and mature physically. He's 6'1", 185 now, which is fine for a defenseman, but at the next level he's probably going to need to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. But it, it's certainly... I mean, if Cooper Moore is the worst pick in this draft class, I, I think it's still a pretty good draft class. 
Well, you know, I agree with you. You know, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, a lot of these guys, and the Red Wings might be in a position sooner rather than later where they're going to be able to stockpile some young talent, even though the big club is actually getting much better with uh, free agent acquisitions, trades that, you know, Steve's always going to make. And, you know, some of the younger players, such as a Cider and a Raymond, you know, start to uh, get into the fold. And one of those players that I really, really like, and I think since the moment the Red Wings drafted him, his stock has just risen and risen and risen. Uh, that is uh, six, uh, six round, 159th overall in 2019, pardon me, Elmer Soderblom, who really has, uh, you know, he's gigantic. He's 6'7", 216 pounds. He's a left wing. But here's a guy, honest Tony, that uh, the Red Wings really maybe caught a, you know, a little bit of luck on. Man, I love this kid. He's so fun to watch. He's got so much talent. And the big thing that that everyone said in his draft year was, yeah, he's six foot seven, six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pounds. He, he's putting up big numbers at the junior level. Can his skating get to the point where he's going to be able to do it at the senior level? And we've seen that over the last two years. I think his skating has been remarkable improvements throughout the last two years. I think we've seen him get the ability to kind of rush the puck up the ice and be the the driver on a line. And, and at the NHL level, I don't think he's necessarily going to be that, but having the capability to at least get his feet moving, unlike he was in the past, is really special. And, and we've seen at the World Juniors two tweener goals last right, year. Right. He, he's a guy that has an immense level of skill for a six foot eight guy. Man, like if this is a dude on your third line, that's going to be so much fun to watch. And I, I think he's going to have the skill to kind of play up on the second line if you need him there to fill in. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a regular top six forward, but a bottom six guy that can kind of contribute offensively be a huge option on the power play like everyone talks about michael rasmussen being that big net front presence i don't think he's going to be worried about being the big net front presence because elmer soderblum is going to be the guy that takes that spot oh really whoa well, i i know rass isn't going to like to hear that but uh that'll only give michael more incentive to make sure that doesn't happen so keep talking tony exactly you're, you're firing up these red wings i know you are uh let's go I, I, another guy that i know that they're high on and you know, I'm not sure exactly what's going on him. Right-handed shooting defenseman, 6'2", 194-pound, Gustav Berglund, uh, who I think came over with Soderblom a couple of years ago for the Prospects Tournament. Uh, you know, he is playing for Mora IK in the Swedish League. Uh, nine games, three points, two goals, one, one, uh, uh, one assist, uh, minus four so far. Uh, Gustav, another long-term project? Yeah, he's going to be another long-term project. And I think once you start getting to the 6th, 7th round, for most of these guys, they are going to be long-term projects. And he's playing the Alsvenskan right now, which is a Swedish second league, so it's right. basically their AHL. And he's doing a decent job. I don't think he's been bad in the, the couple times I've seen him with the last little bit. And he's he's going to need some work. He's going to need to get stronger. He's going to need to get kind of a little bit faster on his feet. I think he's a, a little bit slow in, in terms of skating and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how much he can improve that. And if he can improve it, uh, he's certainly going to be a valuable player on, in the system. He's going to be another one of those guys. Does he get to the NHL level, or is the Grand Rapids where he kind of tops out? And if Grand Rapids is where he tops out, maybe he ends up being a career SHL guy. And, and who, you're not complaining about that too much, especially on the sixth-round pick. Right, definitely. I mean, you know, yeah, they're, they're you know they all seem to be players, or they all seem to have potential. And and you're right. Once you get down to the uh, you know maybe from the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, it is a little bit of a crapshoot. Uh, but uh, but yet players do do emerge from those rounds as well, and uh, maybe a few will emerge for the Detroit Red Wings. This guy has emerged. He was the talk of the prospects tournament along with Lucas Raymond uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, seventh round pick, 190th overall. A guy where every league that he's ever been in, he just you know if he if he plays 40 games he has like 95 points or something um <laughs> that is a Kirill Tutayev um who is now playing in GR and you know getting used to the North American game uh, only three three assists in nine games but he's a plus one uh here's a a, a young man that I think that uh I I know I, you know I've told this story before but Jamie Pusher who is now like third man in the food chain with the Tampa Bay Lightning came up to me and said, who is this guy? He goes, I've never heard of him before. I, I, you know, all my scouting reports are one sentence, but uh, Tutayev was a guy the Red Wings did their homework on and thought, hey, you know, he's, he's available and he puts up numbers. 
Yeah, I think Tutayev is a guy that we talked about Otto Kivimaki and is he going to be big enough, is he going to be strong enough and all those questions. And you have the same questions with Tutayev, but I think Tutayev's done everything in his power to kind of answer those questions. Everywhere he's gone, Belarus, the VHL, the MHL, the everywhere, he, he's been really, really good. And I think the Grand Rapids is the perfect place for him because it allows him to adapt to the strength of the North American game, the speed of the North American game. And, and if we're being honest, the AHL's a rough-and-tumble league. Like, that's a league where you have to be able to take a hit. You have to be able to make a play under pressure. And even more so than the NHL, I think, the, when you need to work on acclimating to the strength of a game, it, it, the AHL is a great spot for you because, yeah, the stronger the players are stronger in the NHL, but you're not getting bowled over by a 32-year-old that's just trying to make a an impact on his team you're you're working at the skill game at the nhl level so he's got the skill game down work on the strength and work on the being able to avoid hits and take a hit better and, and work on all that stuff and doing that at the grand rapids level is going to be perfect for him I, i'm excited to watch this kid over the next year and i'm not saying he's going to be on the team next year but i won't be shocked if it's a couple of years from now he's kind of working his way into the lineup right i mean i i think he was so impressive i really do think that and I'm not saying he wasn't on the radar before, but after the prospects tournament and what he was able to do and, and what he's doing now in, in GR, I, I definitely think that, you know, he uh, um, he's a red-letter player. I think the Red Wings have, a, you know, a check next to his name. Uh, and then rounding out the 2019 class, I know a goaltender they were really happy to get put up, like, incredible numbers in, uh, in I, you know, the, the B.C., I don't know if it was a high school league or whatever it was, but uh, the Red Wings were really happy to get get hold of him. He was uh, uh, a goaltender, 6'4", 165 pounds. He's playing for Colgate right now. That's Carter Guylander. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, college hockey is pretty wide open, so I'm not so sure his numbers are... Are, are, are he's four and three right now with a goals against a 3.14, but a save percentage of 906. How, you know, Tony, I don't know if goaltending is your specialty, but what about Carter? I, I like Carter Guylander. I like the pick when they made it. He played in the Alberta Junior League, and he had spectacular numbers in that league, and it, it was pretty impressive to watch him go 34-5 and five in, his, in his draft year. And, <laughs> and, and, and now we're kind of watching him at the, the college level. And last year he had a pretty decent year, 269 goals against, and a, a 901 save percentage, which for a freshman goalie, like, you're pretty happy with that. And then... You watch him now this year, and he's. I think his actual technique has improved a little bit. He's kind of getting across the ice a little bit better. And, yeah, his goals against is a little bit up, but his save percentage is up as well, which is a good thing. And, and you look at him go, and I, I think he's going to be a quality prospect. And again, goalies, you're shooting fish in a barrel. You're hoping to get one of them out of every draft that you, that they're a competent prospect and you can kind of build with. And I think he's a decent bet, bet in the 2019 draft, especially as late as they got him. Right, yeah, I mean, certainly. I, I, I remember they were pretty overjoyed, they being, of course, the Red Wings, that they couldn't believe he was available. And, you know, they, you know, by that time of the draft, everyone's kind of tired and, you know, making their dinner plans and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, lo and behold, Carter's still up there, and they couldn't believe it. You know, they said, our job just got easier because that's exactly who we're taking. And, uh, and the Red Wings did. Let's move to the uh, 2020 draft, which uh, really could uh, pro provide the Red Wings with some players. Obviously, Lucas Raymond is... Uh, is well on his way, and if everything continues, could be a legitimate candidate for Rookie of the Year. A player that, uh, you know, I think people, either you love him or you hate him, and I'm not sure, a second-round pick, uh, 32nd overall, first player taken uh, in the uh, uh, in the second round in the uh, 2020 draft, and that's William Wallander, whom had a kind of a checkered, or a checkered summer showcase uh, uh, recently in Plymouth. Uh, William now playing for Rogel in the Swedish. I don't know if it's the Alsfanskin or not, but uh, um, but Wallander seems to be having a few growing pains. Yeah, Wallander's a guy that I think you look at and you go, this kid has all of the tools you want. He's not gonna. You're not lacking anywhere necessarily. But it's the processing speed, and is he going to be able to play against men, and all these questions? Because he's got the size; he's six foot four, two hundred pounds almost, and he's a guy that I think can do it at the pro level. And we've seen him play with Rogel in the SHL this year, and he's got eight points in sixteen games, so he's a half point a game defender. And you're not complaining about that. He's a silky smooth skater. I, I love watching him transition the puck up the ice, and maybe he doesn't ever really bring that offensive game to the to the NHL that we kind of once kind of hoped, but. 
I think he's going to be a really good transitional defender. If he's like we talked about a couple guys earlier that could play on the second pairing, I think Wallander's right up in there. Like, a left shot defenseman plays on the second pairing, plays on third pairing, at six foot four, you're not really worried about him too much. He's got a pretty decent defensive game now that he's kind of improving as he goes, and that maturity is going to go a long way. And, and I, I don't know if he's going to the Grand Rapids next year or the year after, but I think he's going to take a year there before he really challenges for the wings. But Man, I still really like this kid because the upside's there. And, and anytime you got upside, that's what, that's what you got to love in a prospect like this. Well, you know, again, you know, going by what the Red Wings said after they drafted him, uh, they were ecstatic to get him at 32. Uh, they thought that for sure he would have been taken in in in, in the in the first round. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll just see how he progresses. And you know, a guy obviously Red Wings still very high on. And another guy that they're high on uh, is Theodore uh, Niederbach. Um, uh, Right, uh, 51st overall in the second round, not playing for Frulunda. Uh, which Red Wing prospect isn't playing for Frulunda? I mean, there's several, but uh, four points in 19 games right now. How's uh, Theodore gets game coming around? I think it's coming, but he's adjusting to the pro level still. You're looking at him kind of compared to last year, and you're like, okay, he's improved, but how much? And I think the, the game, his game away from the puck is what, what's improved a little bit, but you still have a lot of good work to do with this kid. He's still got a ton of offensive potential. I think there's a lot of fun in his game, and I think he's going to be a guy that, again, like bring him over to the AHL. Get him in Grand Rapids is where you're going to want to do it. And He's got top six upside. He's got the offensive skill. He's got a lot of really high-end playmaking abilities. And he's played center. He's played wing. Where does he fit at the next level? And I think that's going to be the question. And, and bring him over to Grand Rapids and, and letting him kind of acclimate there. And, again, Getting used to that that physicality of the game in North America, getting used to that physical speed and everything like that is going to be a big big deal for him. And he's dealt with injuries in the past, and he had a major knee injury in his draft year, the season before his draft year. So right. it's going to be interesting to see where he fits because that speed is not necessarily where you'd love it to be as a center. So can he be a, 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 a winger that kind of contributes as a secondary scoring option? I don't know. Or does he kind of wind up as a third third pair or third line or fourth line guy it's going to be re really interesting with him because with him there there really is a wide range of what he could be yeah well it'll be interesting to see because again you know i mean but obviously on draft day you know the red wings are pretty high on virtually every one of their prospects and then you know then it kind of plays itself out as uh, as the days go by uh, also a second round pick uh, the red wings had three second round picks in the 2020 draft cross Hannes. uh uh, playing for uh, the Portland Winterhawks, uh, uh, really, maybe I, I think he was kind of an overage. Well, maybe not. Maybe the, he wasn't an overage. I might be mixing him up with somebody. But uh, Cross seems to be a guy that uh, you know certainly uh, you know looks like he has a little bit of potential too. So uh, pretty good numbers with Portland right now. Yeah, I think now that he's back with the Portland Winterhawks in the WHL full time, he's looking really good. He's an over appointed game player right now. Last year, because of the pandemic and everything going on, like he played in the USHL for half the season, and he didn't look great in the USHL, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I don't know if it was just not being acclimated, not being comfortable, whatever it was. It was a new league for him, new city, everything. It just completely changed his life for a 30-game stint over there down south. And it's going to be interesting to see where he kind of develops because now you're starting to see the, the skill and the high-end puck puck skill that he has because he's a guy that can kind of dangle in a phone booth. He's a guy that you, you really have a lot of fun watching, but he's another guy that has skating issues. And I think anytime you have skating issues, I, I've always said it, that's one of the things that you can improve more often than not in prospects, but the prospect has to be willing to put in work. So I think this is a guy that will put in the work. He's, he's done a, a, a decent job of improving so far, but another one where you're like, he's got a lot of great tools. Can he get the, the one big weakness he has kind of worked out? And to his credit, he's done a little bit of that so far. He's still got a long way to go, but if he can do it, he's got a middle six upside, and I think he'd be a really fun player to watch. Well, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you, you know, I'm looking forward. I, I've talked to him a few times. Seems like a, you know, real real good kid. Seems to have that determination, and, you know, it, it's it's really difficult, Tony, and I know you 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 go down this road, too. When you, you get to meet all of these guys, and you want all of them to make it, you know, and unfortunately... Uh, you know, professional sports is a cruel world, and uh, it's just, it's just not going to happen. But uh, uh, Cross, really a good kid, uh, guy who last year, you know, the OHL did not play because of the pandemic, because of COVID nineteen, and um, who was uh, slated to be a Kitchener Ranger, 
uh, signed a PTO with the Grand Rapids Griffins, and lo and behold, he never has left. Uh, signed an entry level with the Red Wings, and that's uh, a left-handed shooting defenseman, 6'1", 194 pounds, a Dominic, uh, or pardon me, I always say Dominic, but Donovan uh, Sobrango, who, uh, you know, is a really kind of a rough-and-tumble player. Uh, he uh, he might be uh, kind of a fine two for the Red Wings. Yeah, this is a kid that out out shooting my my personal ranking on him. I did, I thought maybe the Red Wings took him a little bit high. I understood why they took him where they did, but I thought they took him a little high. And, and I mean, this year you're you're laughing like this kid looks really good at the AHL level. He's uh, at the OHL level like he seemed like he wanted to be an offensive defenseman, but didn't quite have the skill and puck moving ability to do it. And now you're seeing him kind of reserve his game a little bit back and, and kind of rein it in. And you're going, oh, wow, like this is a really good two-way guy. Like this is a guy that with some, some time, like he could be a guy that, that does move the puck up ice. He may not be that offensive power play threat that other guys in the system are, but you have those guys. So Donovan Sobrango developing a, a really good defensive game and being that feisty guy. He's not – he is so willing to get into the battle. Like there are so many times you see him kind of – be the second guy into a scrum and, and dragging dudes out. And, like, he's not a huge dude by any means, but he plays bigger than he is. And, and it's really fun to watch him play with Grand Rapids because, like you said, he showed up as a, a PTO or an ATO and kind of not sure of how long he'd play in Grand Rapids. And he ended up playing 30 games last year, 31 games. And now he's back with the team this year. And, I mean, I, I see no reason to even think about sending him back to the OHL. So, man, like, this kid at the AHL level, let him, let him kind of – fester for a couple years let him develop his game and really kind of come into his own because he's only 19 like you don't see many 19 year olds in the AHL so despite the low scoring and stuff like there's still potential there for that to even go up and, and like I said he he has some of those offensive tendencies on wanting to push the puck up ice and he's reserved himself I mean yeah. if, if he gets out of it like it could be sky's the limit with this kid right I agree Donovan Sobrango great story too uh you know on the personal side I Suggest so all of you. I think Max Boltman for the Athletic wrote something really, really good about him and his mother yep. uh, uh, last year. So that's uh, that, that's a ter- terrific story, and I encourage all of you to, uh, uh, if you can get a hold of it, I'm sure you can because everything is available. Uh, then uh, you should read it. Um, also, in 2020, uh, 2020 draft, uh, third round pick, um, 70th overall. Uh, another guy that I think the Red Wings were a little bit surprised maybe that he was around or that they got him or maybe, you know, he's uh, um, exceeding expectations. And that's a, a, a Emil Vero uh, who is now playing for TPS uh, Turka in the SM Liga. Uh, three points in 18 games uh, uh, so far, but the Red Wings really seem to be very high on him. Yeah, I think with Vero, he, he's got... He's not huge. He's got average size. He's a pretty decent puck mover. He's got good two-way qualities. But, like, I think the question with him is what exactly is he? He doesn't have a standout skill. He doesn't have one thing that he's really, really good at. He's just pretty good at a lot of things. So, with him, it's, it's just going to be let him develop over in Finland. Don't rush him. Like, he's going to be a guy that I think plays over there for a couple more years even. And, and let him do his thing in Finland. Let him figure out what he is because right now I don't even think he knows exactly what he's going to be in, in two years. So let him figure it out and then bring him over. Start acclimating him to the, the North American game. But like like I said, there's no standout skill, but there's a lot of really good things he does. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm real interested to see uh, you know how how, how he develops. Uh, it's a player that I you know that I have my eye on just because the. Uh, several in the Red Wing organization really do think that, uh, you know, as he continues to develop, he could be a pleasant surprise. Uh, also, fourth-round pick, 2020 draft, 97th overall, plays for Wisconsin right now. Uh, uh, Sam Strange, whom, uh, uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I would imagine that Sam, uh, a right-wing, right, uh, right-handed shot, 6'1", 200 pounds. He is another guy that uh, I, I would assume would spend four years in college, and then let's see where he's at. Yeah, Sam Stange is a guy that I, I don't really, even in his draft year, I didn't really understand it. I, it's a, He's a pick. He's a player. I, I don't think he's a bad college player by any means, but it's going to be a long development with him. I think it's going to be take take the four years, see where you're at at that, and then we'll talk about a contract. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where Stange goes because, yeah, he's not necessarily a standout guy in this draft, but he's certainly not a, a terrible pick by any means, especially when you get outside right around that 100th pick. Right, and well, also uh, 107 pick, uh, fourth round, uh, goaltender that I, I, yeah, I'm pretty high on, now plays for Colgate, 
uh, from the Czech Republic, uh, Jan Bednar. Uh, he wants to be called Bednar. And I know all you Czech fans out there keep saying it's Bednash, but he says Bednar. So uh, Jan Bednar uh, uh, playing now in the Quebec League. Yeah, Jan Bednar. Last year it was a rough one. Like his first few games in the Quebec League, you, I kind of went, oh, like this isn't the goalie I expected to see. So it was interesting to kind of see what happened in the ups and downs he had last year. But so far this year, he's putting up better numbers. He's looking a lot better. And he seems like that goalie I saw in his draft here. He seems like the guy that I thought was going to come over the QMJHL. So maybe it really was just taking some adjustment and playing in a league like the Q because I think anybody that's watched the Q in their time is goes, wow, that, that league really doesn't have much defense. So the goalies are left out to dry quite often. And he was left out to dry quite a bit last year with the Katie Bathurst. And they were a good team and they're a good team this year. So, man, like, getting him in 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 net again and and again it's one of those things with goalies you shoot a shoot fish in a barrel i keep saying it but he might be one of their better goalie prospects in the system right now uh looking then uh, going back to the uh, fifth round 132nd overall uh alex cotton who was left undrafted and then just found this offensive game i saw him at the prospects tournament uh he can definitely run a power play there's no doubt about that uh he's now with the vancouver giants in the western hockey league uh, but Cotton, one of these guys for a fifth-round pick, uh, I, I think because of his skill primarily running the power play, if other games can get developed, that he could be a guy that could find his way potentially certainly to Grand Rapids, but maybe even Detroit. Yeah, he's a guy that, like you said, he has a ton of skill. That that, that offensive game is, is really fun to watch because he, he was drafted as an overager, and he just knows how to run a power play. He knows how to run an offensive game, and He's not afraid of it. There's a lot of holes in his game defensively. He needs to work on some things, get bigger, stronger. Like He's not a huge guy by any means at 6'1". Um, but like you said, he goes to, to Vancouver right now. He's going to be afforded a pretty decent opportunity with them to, to run their power play and be a, be a big piece on their back end. And it's going to be a long run for him, I think. You're, you're looking at a guy that he he's one of those players that on the back end that you're like was he a forward before because like he seems like he's a forward and he should be playing on the wing maybe and maybe that's kind of one of those weird situations where that happens but Alex Cotton the skill is undeniable the the projection is maybe a little bit questionable but the 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 fun factor in his game is there yeah I I you know I I was actually kind of impressed with him and I I thought wow this kid really knows what he's doing uh for time uh, you know, I, 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 because we're, we're running out of time here. I know in the sixth round it was Kyle Acoin uh, that, uh, that the Wings drafted. He is at Harvard. Uh, no stranger than in the seventh round, 187th overall, uh, Keenan Draper, who's playing for Chilliwack, uh, the Chiefs in the BCHL, and, uh, and then also uh, uh, Chase Bradley, uh, who's playing at the University of Connecticut. Uh, was taken 203rd overall in the 2020 draft. Uh, anything you want to say uh, about those three players, Tony? I know I hate to lump them up there to, it together, but like I said, I want to get to the uh, 2021 draft. So oh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm perfectly fine with you lumping them all together because they really are just kind of throw a dart at the board and hope one of them hits. I think Keenan Draper's a nice little story, getting drafted for, by his dad's team and everything. But in reality, I don't know if any of these guys are, are huge high-end prospects, but Throw, throw some darts at the board late for, with guys that you liked on a few of your viewings, and hopefully one of them hits or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know. I mean, obviously I've known Keenan since he was a little boy, so certainly I'm rooting for him just because of the uh, the personal connection. And, uh, uh, you know, there, he, you know he'll, he'll do everything he can to try to make it. So uh, uh, I'm not worried about his work ethic. Uh, hopefully things will work out for him. Actually, again, like I said earlier, I hope every, everybody makes it, and I know that that is humanly impossible to do. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the uh, 2021 draft uh, uh, with the uh, number six pick in the first round. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be Jesper Wallstadt, but uh, uh, I guess now that I really think about it, when he fell to them at six, and I do mean fell to them at six, uh, Swedish defenseman Simon Edvinson, who was considered not that far removed from Owen Power, uh, the University of Michigan defenseman uh, who went first overall to Buffalo, but Simon Edvinson is looking like uh, he could be uh, quite quite a player uh, in the NHL. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I wasn't super high on Edvinson last year, and he was a guy that I kind of had in that 6-10 to 10 range all year long, and, and there were a lot of people that had him up at 3, so I thought there was a realistic chance. Anywhere from between 2, 3, and 10, like 
you get it in that after that first pick, I think he could have gone anywhere. And like you said, he, he had a lot of the similar traits to Owen Power. I think you looked at their games and you went, okay, like the the issues that they have are pretty similar. The the skills that they have are pretty similar. They're both huge defensemen, really really mobile, like to be aggressive in joining the rush, activating from the offensive blue line. Um, they both have kind of top pair upside, but neither was truly that number one D prospect. And man, like I, I think you look at Edmondson's game this year, and he's done nothing but impress. I think he's been maybe the most impressive 2021 prospect out of the, the class so far this year. I think Owen Power has obviously done really well. Matthew Beneers has obviously done really well. But I think Simon Edmondson, especially from the European contingent, has just been a beast this year, playing a big role playing big minutes and, and showing everybody exactly what he is. Well, nine points in 16 games for Furlunda, uh, you know, a plus seven uh, at his age. You know, certainly, uh, I, I think I remember him on draft night. It, it, it certainly appeared that, you know, and I guess they may all feel this way. I think he thought he should have gone higher in six, but going to the Red Wings if you're Swedish is uh, is almost like a badge of honor. All young Swedes seem to, you know, be very familiar with the uh, – uh, with the Detroit Red Wings for obvious reasons. Uh, let's go to uh, the uh, Red Wings traded up, got the 15th overall pick uh, in round one. At this point, I thought it was Jesper Wallstatt, uh, but it turned out to be Sebastian Kosa, whom uh, I've talked to a few times. Uh, great personality, great quote. If you're a media person, you're going to absolutely love him. Uh, I know he struggled recently, gave up four goals, but rebounded um, the, the next night and... Uh, uh, you know, having a pretty good year again for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, uh, so um, eight three and three with a nine thirty save percentage and a goals against of two point zero three. But uh, uh, Sebastian Kosa really does seem like uh, uh, perhaps the goaltender of the future. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that Jan Bednar was one of the better prospects, like goalie prospects in the system. But that's because Kosa is the goalie prospect in the system. Like this kid is huge he's six foot six 210 pounds he's got nhl size already he's got nhl movement even i think and, and there's a lot of really good things in his game like you mentioned jesper wallstedt sebastian kosa they're 1a 1b with that that goalie tandem and for that draft last year and man kosa's done everything to prove that he's an elite elite goalie prospect so i think with the size projectability the skill projectability you're getting a goalie in the nhl with this kid it's it's whether or not him or, or him or wallstedt will be the better goalie but I think you're going to be laughing when both of them are really high-end goalies in the NHL. You know, Tony, I, I want to ask you, you know, obviously it's not up to either one of us. This will be a decision that uh, Steve Eiserman and, uh, and his, uh, uh, his staff make. But uh, Kosa next year, maybe GR bound and uh, uh, maybe two years in GR and then maybe a legitimate shot to at least contend for a backup goaltending spot, if not the starting job. Is he, is he that far uh, advanced? Because goaltenders all... You know, goaltenders like left-handed starting pitching, right? It's a little—they they take a little bit longer to develop. Or could Kosa be the exception? Uh, there's certainly a chance that he's the exception, but he—he's still 18. He doesn't turn 19 until the 21st of this month, so he's still pretty young. Like, I, I think he's probably got at least one more year in the WHL, and it's almost going to be unfair next year because you're looking at his numbers this year. Look at his numbers last year, and he's already completely dominant. What's he going to be next year if he does play in WHL? Does it serve him to dominate the league yet again? Maybe he does go to the Grand Rapids Griffins, but he won't be old enough. So you're, you're looking at it and you go, his options are pretty limited. And uh, you're going to watch him kind of just absolutely dominate at the WHL again, I think. And, and then the year after, go to the Grand Rapids Griffins. If you can translate some of those numbers up there, I think you're going to be just giggling. And, yeah, he could be one of those goalies that at 21-22 is legitimately pushing a guy like Ned for, for starts. And while I think Ned's been fantastic this year and net for the Red Wings, if you end up with a tandem of Kosa and Nedeljkovic for a couple years, I don't think you're complaining until Kosa's ready to fully take on the reins and, and be that 50-60 game starter. Well, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that if he turned 20 – in the calendar year where the season begins that he could play in the NHL. I know he'd be not, uh, 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 19 at the start of Grand Rapids season next year, but soon afterwards, like six weeks in or something, or two months in maybe, he would uh, he would be 20. But he has to be 20 at the start of the season regardless. Yeah, I think it's the start of the season that's the, the, that they use for the age gap. I could be wrong. I may be wrong, but I, I'm almost positive it's 20 at the start of the season. So he'll miss it by maybe a, few, uh, a month and a half. But 
like I said, if, if he does get a chance to play at the Grand Rapids level, not next year, but the year after, I think he's probably going to put up some big numbers there, and it won't be long until he's in the NHL. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with you, Tony. I, 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 <laughs> I'm deferring it all to you. So uh, so what you say goes on uh, uh, on this podcast. Let's uh, continue in the second round, 36th overall. Uh, I don't know if it was a surprise. I think some people were, uh, but Shai Booyam, uh, who's playing for the University of Denver right now? Three points in eight games for uh, for the Pioneers. No goals, but as uh, said, three assists uh, plus three. Uh, this is a, seems to be a young man that uh, you know Red Wings again very very high on. Yeah, he was a guy that uh, I had ranked pretty late last year, and then when the Red Wings took him in the second round, I was like, all right, I got to go look look at some video, look at some tape, and see what see what I missed maybe, or or maybe I I didn't miss anything, and Detroit was crazy and. I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think he probably went a little higher than he should, but I think he also had more skill than I gave him credit for. He had the ability to kind of move pucks up ice, and he plays a really smart game. So I, I think you're getting an, a smart defender who's not, not necessarily going to be that offensive stalwart, but he can move the puck, and he plays good defense. And going to University of Denver, give him a couple years there. I think the NCAA route is such a good route for a lot of these kids, and I think it's a perfect place for him to be playing right now. And two, three years – let's see where he's at right like it, it's right. going to be one of those situations again right yeah definitely but uh you know again a, a, a guy who I, I think his brother's playing for the development team i think his family actually moved to michigan if i remember the story correctly so uh, uh there could be another hockey player uh uh in, in the in another nhl player coming from uh, from that family uh carter mazer um also uh he was uh, over age i think too uh, third round 70th overall uh uh, love playing. I, I think I think Chris Draper was his coach at one time and said he was his favorite coach. He is now playing for the University of Denver. Three points in eight games. Uh, even player, four penalty minutes. Uh, 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 what about Carter? I think it, getting drafted as an overager is a nice thing for him. It was a good spot for him to go at 70th overall. I think there was a lot of people that were in his camp. and You look at him last year and he put up some pretty decent numbers with 44 points in 47 games with Tri-City and and now he's gone to the University of Denver, and he hasn't looked at a place at the, at the NCAA level. So I think that's the biggest thing you look for when a lot of kids at the, in, the, in their freshman year is do they, again, like I said, do they look like a prospect or do they look like a player? And he's looked like a player so far at University of Denver. So while I don't know if he's necessarily going to ever have that high-end kind of skill to, to really be a top-six guy, if he's a bottom-six guy at the NHL level, I think that's a pretty decent pick in the third round Anytime you get a guy there. All right, let's go to the fourth round, 114th overall. Uh, Redmond Savage, uh, better known as Red Savage, he is uh, at uh, Miami University. Uh, four points, uh, all assists in eight games uh, so far, uh, but uh, Red 10 minutes in penalties. So uh, 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 Red Savage, uh, another guy, again, where he was drafted, the Red Wings seemed to be uh, uh, pretty high on him and for, seemed fortunate that they maybe were able to get him in the fourth round. Yeah, I think the fourth round was a great spot for him because Red Savage is a guy that kind of plays all over the ice. He loves to just get in the battle and kind of do some of that dirty work. And so he's another guy that I look at and I'm like, man, like this could be a really fun third line guy, a really competitive guy, and a guy that you're, you're putting in your bottom six knowing that, hey, there could be that offensive pop uh, in a game that you really need it. So I think he's a guy that like, the Red Wings fans are going to love. I think he's got a great personality. He's got a fun game to watch. Um, he's not quite as big as the Zach Hyman, but he kind of plays that similar role where he's just going to get in there, battle, do what he has to do to be contributing to the team and, and just be a really good player for the team. So I think you give him a couple years at the University of Miami and, and let him do his thing and let's see where this, this kid goes because I think everyone, you've seen some interviews from, from since his draft and, and Red Savage is already kind of a fan favorite among some of the Red Wings fans. Um, taken in the fifth round, 131st overall or 34th overall in 2021, a Swedish player um, was captain, I think, of the World Junior Team. Uh, he appeared to be uh, a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know, incensed almost. Not playing for Frulunda, good buddy of Simon Edvidson, um, uh, Liam Downer Nelson. Um, he uh, 5'11 and 172 uh, left-handed shooting center. Uh, no points in seven games right now, but, uh, uh, you know, a, a player that uh, I remember talking to him, I mean, he vowed that he's going to make the Red Wings someday. Uh, almost has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, shoulder. What about Liam? I love that pick because this is a guy that I think is going to be a, like he looks like a third line center already. He plays a really, really good defensive game. He's going to be able to match up at the next level. I think 
he's a guy that I, I think you're looking at and you go, man, like he doesn't necessarily have that high, high end offensive skill, but he's able to make plays regardless. He's a smart player in, in being able to go. This is a guy that you can put in your third line kind of matchup against the, the best offensive players on the other team. That that's a great projection for a guy that you get in the fifth round, right? Like you're, you're not right. laughing. You're not worried about the offense at that point because that's not his game. And he plays such a good two way game that, when he does kind of pull out that behind the back pass from behind the net, you're like, oh, okay, like he has that in his repertoire. He just doesn't break it out all the time. So I'm a big fan of Liam Dyer Nielsen. I had him ranked much higher than 134. So getting him there, I think you're laughing. And uh, also in the fifth round, 155, I uh, saw him play at the Prospects Tournament. Uh, 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 obviously, his dad has a history in working with Steve Eiserman, but that's uh, uh, Oscar Plandowski. Uh, now playing for in the Quebec Major League uh, uh, for the uh, uh, Charlottetown Islanders, uh, three points in 16 games so far. You know, granted, obviously, I know that he's a uh, uh, you know late round pick, but uh, what about Oscar? Well, this kid's got a ton of really good skating. His mom's a skating coach as well. Like you said, his dad has a history in hockey. He's kind of been all over the place. I think he's uh, with the Arizona Coyotes right, right. now. But it, it's it's fun to watch this kid play because you see the tools there and you go. All right, he wants to push the pace, but he doesn't quite have the ability to do it quite yet. So it, this is a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if he becomes a late bloomer because there's a very raw element to his game. But you look and you go, man, he's a really good skater. He, he plays pretty decent defense. Can he kind of bring out some of that offense? Because if he is, then he becomes a guy that you're like, oh, maybe he should have gone in the third round or second round. But Plandowski is definitely a decent pick late in the draft. And a lot of people had him ranked as a second, third round guy. So let's see where this kid ends up. All right, and then the final player taken, and the reason I'm, I I went through every draft pick, obviously was the most recent draft by the Red Wings, but uh, he didn't even play last year. He's a Windsor Spitfire, uh, Pasquale Zito, right wing, uh, shoots left, uh, 6'1", 176 pounds. You know, he uh, did not play a lot of hockey, was pretty impressive, I thought, at the Prospects Tournament, considering he didn't play a whole lot of hockey. Ten games for the Spitfire so far, four goals, uh, two assists, uh, uh, six points, uh, Pasquale, maybe an unknown quantity, or were you familiar with him? I mean, I know that you're you live in Windsor too, Tony. So I don't know if you're you know season ticket holder for the Spitz or not. But uh, what about Pasquale? Pasquale is a fun player. He's kind of a little bit of a jerk. He likes to get into the the mess. He likes to kind of instigate the other team, and he does have some sneaky good skills. So. Like you said, he didn't play last year because of the OHL, and if he did, he probably would have gone higher. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I like Pasquale Zito. He's a good player. I've seen him play a few times this year, even live. And, like, this is a one of those picks that you look at and you're, like, in the sixth round, and you go, man, I like this kid. Like, there's stuff to build on. There's still stuff to build, but there's stuff to build on. And, and you go, like, I, I don't know if he's going to have that high-end skill, but this is a guy that you look at and you go, man, him and Giovanni Smith in a few years playing on the fourth line or something, like, they, they kind of have a similar game. So, while the offense may not be there at the next level, I think he's going to be able to be contribute, going to be able to kind of stand up for his teammates. He's not the biggest guy, but he likes to, to act like he is. So you get a guy <laughs> with that attitude in there, and you're, you're loving it. All right. Well, uh, uh, overall, we've, we've looked at it. Uh, uh, I know uh, Raymond and Cider uh, are here in Detroit already, but an overall view of the Red Wings prospects uh, pool right now, uh, uh, where do you think the Red Wings are as far as prospects, Tony? I think they're probably like if you, because I, I I hate going oh man Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider aren't prospects anymore because they're still rookies like even right, Philip right, Zadina right. like he's still super young, so you look at this pool with those those guys in there and I think they're a top five prospect pool to be completely honest like last year's draft I wasn't as enamored with as as the two previous years but you look at some of these guys like Edmondson and Kosa and, and even guys like Red Savage and they've completely done exactly what you wanted them to do this year taking a step in their development. And, Man, like I, I love this prospect pool. Detroit's going to be a force to reckon within a few years, and, and maybe they don't get that 25-year playoff streak again because that's just a ridiculous streak as it is. But right. I think they're going to be right back in the mix of competing for a playoff spot, and maybe this year, next year, and then being a real competitive team in a couple. Well, based on their draft history under Steve, and then uh, you know his aggressiveness, uh, and he's not afraid to pull the trigger. Uh, you know, he will. Uh, I've always said people said, "What's it like with Steve?" And I said, "Well." Uh, you know, uh, if the Red Wings aren't competing for a Stanley Cup in five to six years, he's going to try die trying and taking us all with him. So, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I think the Red Wings are in good hands too. You know, certainly. Uh, but uh, with that said, Tony, I know that you're you're probably really focused in on this uh, 2022 draft. Uh, 
Uh, how is that uh, progressing? What kind of draft do you think it's going to be? A deep draft or maybe just a quick thought on what 2022 will hold? Uh, 2022 is a fun draft. I think it's it's really akin to that 2019 draft where you've seen a lot of really high-end players go. And this year's going to be the same thing. I think Shane Wright obviously leads the pack in Kingston. But then you got guys like Matthew Savoy, Brad Lambert, Danilo Yurov, David Juracek, uh, Seamus Casey, Frank Nazar, Logan Cooley, three guys from the national team program in, in Plymouth there. There's a lot of high-end players in this draft. And it, it, this is another one of those drafts where if Detroit ends up with the sixth overall pick, I think they still have a really opportunity for – a really good opportunity to get a top line player a top pair defenseman even maybe and then you, you look a little bit further down with detroit playing really well right now say they end up with the 12th pick you get a guy like seamus casey or frank nazar there you're laughing i think this is a really <laughs> good draft so I'm, I'm looking forward to it all right and and i guess finally uh, shane Wright, the definitive number one or will that be going back and forth here through june no i think shane Wright's the number one guy i think that if he somehow falls off a cliff then you can maybe call talk about Matthew Savoy, Daniel Yurov, guys like that but right now Shane writes that's that's solid number one. All right Tony Ferrari the uh, uh, draft and prospects contributor for the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated it's always great to have you here on the Red and White Authority thank you for sharing uh, uh, your thoughts and breaking down the Red Wing prospects for us really appreciate it uh, thanks very much Tony and uh, best of luck in everything and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah of course always happy to join you Eric.